Welcome to Paint Radio with your host, Emily Howard and Andrew Dwyer. Thank you, Mr. Announcer. Yes, I'm Andrew Dwyer, publisher of American Painting Contractor. Welcome to Paint Radio. This is Lifestyles of the Prepped and Finish. Emily Howard, editor of APC, is here as well. Emily, how are you? I'm great. You know, before we get started, one thing that people don't realize about our announcer, of course, we love that guy. He's got such a great voice, but he also plays the drums. And, he, and they're not like two separate tracks. He does it simultaneously. It's amazing. And I would say that we replay it again so they can hear it. But, of course, that would be another $1,000. The guy makes a grand every time we play it. So here's what you should do, people. Hit stop. Restart the podcast. Because you can do that, Emily. This isn't being listened to live. I don't know if you realize that. But people are listening to the recording. So hit stop. Restart it. And listen to him playing drums and talking at the same time. It's amazing. It's really amazing. Only top notch. But for APC, when you then get to this point where I say, hey, guys, stop and restart it. Don't do that again, because then you'll actually never get out of this vicious loop. Just do it once and then let it play. I don't want people to get stuck in like a matrix. Nice. Okay, I care about our listeners. It's a labyrinth, right? It is a labyrinth. (laughs) (sighs) Again. Monday morning. (laughs) We're recording this on a Monday, as you can tell. It is Paint Radio. Again, Andrew and Emily, this is our series of Lifestyles of the Prepped and Finish podcasts. And today, we're joined by a guy who's got a great story to tell, um, where he's got a painting job, he's got a painting business, but he operates it from the town next door, i.e. a state approximately 2,000 miles away. And that's fascinating. Yes, Emily? Is it really 2,000 miles? I was guesstimating. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I, that's mainly why he's on, is to give us the mileage count. So okay. <laughs> hopefully he's ready. And he is Aaron Moore, president and owner of Precision Painting and Decorating out of Chicago. And yet, wait a minute, he lives in Bozeman, Montana. How is that possible? Aaron, how are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Are you? Uh, how many miles is it from Bozeman to Chicago? You know, I don't think too far off. I think it's maybe a little bit closer to 1,500. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah. Farther than I thought, actually. (laughs) So before we get into uh, the meat of the topic, which is how that whole decision came about and how you you make it work living in Bozeman and operating a painting company in Chicago, uh, you've you've been doing this for about 15 years, and by this I mean operating a painting company. So just... Let's get started there. How, how did you decide to start a painting business? Sure. Well, it was really an accident. Um, I graduated <laughs> college from Eastern Illinois with a degree in finance and uh, was working during the week and helping a buddy of mine who was a painter uh, on the weekends. And when uh, the time came for me to not be able to do that anymore, I was looking for a full-time job. He offered me half of the business to take it over and Voila, I'm a painting, owner of a painting company. It was just he and I, though. It wasn't much of a company at that point. So, and what's the, what's the size of the business now? How many, how many full-time employees do you have? Uh, full-time employees, we run 30 to 30 plus, and then we do use subcontractors to when we, like, so when we accordion. So we use subs to kind of fill in the gaps when we don't have enough employees. So we, at any given day, we could have 25 to 45 guys applying paint under the precision umbrella. 
Okay. And you, and is your partner still involved or, or no, it's just you now? So Sean was my partner, Sean Barado, and he made a decision that he just wanted to work from 8 to 4.30 and not have the stresses that go along with owning the business. So about seven years ago, he moved on and stayed within the company just as a, uh, a member of our leadership team. Okay. Yeah, Andrew likes to only work from about 1 to 2.30. So. <laughs> but I'm an overachiever. I, I know work how that 9 feels. to noon. Because, again, overachiever. <laughs> Nine to noon, baby. Yes. Was that um, the decision to buy your partner out? Was that was that an easy decision? Did it require lots of thought? Or tell us more about that. You know, I've talked to a lot of guys about this, and it's a funny thing. It's like a lot of times the discussions that you think are going to be really difficult are a lot easier when you actually have them. And so, you know, we sat down and, you know, I had put all this thought and all this energy into it, thinking like worst case scenario, worst case scenario, there's going to be this big business divorce. And then when the time came, you know, we just had a frank conversation amongst, we were really good friends and we just had a frank conversation saying like, Hey, what do you want out of this business? What do I want out of this business? And what he wanted was not to take it home at night. And what I wanted was a multi-million dollar painting company. So once we were able to like, hey, well, if I can deliver what you want and I can still do what I want, we were able to amicably come up with a, a way that we could work together. And now, you know, seven years later, we're still working together. Great. So, yeah, so that was seven years ago. And how long ago did you move to Bozeman? I moved to Bozeman at the end of the summer 2018. So I've been here about nine months now, 10 months. Okay. That's, I was thinking that that was not too long ago. What, so tell me about you, you, you've, you've got wife and kids, right? Family. And they all went out with you as well. How'd you guys come to the decision of Bozeman? So seven or eight years ago, we had a client that relocated here for work and introduced us to the area. We came uh, shortly thereafter my daughter was one, so she's now almost nine. She was our first one. We came out two weeks, went to Yellowstone, saw a big sky, kind of like just really fell in love with the mountains and the area and kind of said, hey, let's do this now. But unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, it just wasn't the right timing um, for us. So we ended up staying in Chicago and just dreaming of living here. Uh, coming back and forth every year or two and just kind of spending time here. Then uh, a, a year and a half ago, so January of 2018, uh, um, we left after Christmas and came here for a month and just kind of see how the business would react and how uh, we would like it living here, not on vacation. And then we went, we did it on a road trip, went down to Denver, looked at some other areas out west here. And just decided that this was our home and this is where we wanted to live. Went back and in April last year, put our house on the market and got prepared to move out here. Wow. And so on Bozeman has actually been, I think they've been listed as Outside Magazine. It's like the top adventure hub in the United States because there's so much yeah, to do around there. Yeah, we have pretty much access to everything. <laughs> yes, we have access to everything, whatever you're into. If it's hunting and fishing, if it's motorcycles, if it's hiking or if it's running, if it's bicycling, if it's mountain bikes, you name it, snowmobiling, every, anything that you want is within striking distance from Bozeman, which makes it a very desirable but expensive place to live. So let's, let's explore that thought process of, of you having this desire and the family having this desire to live elsewhere. You know, what, 
what was the easier decision to make that that would be a good fit for the family or that the that the business could handle it or did they were they in tandem well i've always been a systems guy and always looking for ways to you know involve me less it seems like the less that i'm involved actually the better the business probably does so uh i don't i'm not really a micromanager i'm not in everybody's face i expect people to do a good thing so more of a trust and track versus command and control leadership style. So that's one thing that um, we put things, systems in place that allowed us to manage a lot of the business from behind the computer screen, uh, from project management to estimating to all of our stuff being available online and everything being in the cloud. So basically the vast majority of what I was doing was from the office anyways, aside from client meetings and scheduled properly, I could easily meet with clients on a every other week or every third week basis. That's, uh, that's awesome. I love that. Um, so did you, when you, first of all, when you say us, wh- who do you mean But when you say us? So the, I mean, us, I mean, I just refer to the company as a plural, all of us, you know, whether it be uh, a prep guy or my, you know, director of field operations or my office manager or one of my estimators. I mean, we're all one team. We meet, you know, once a month and we try to uh, communicate throughout the organization. So everybody's kind of has their level of responsibility for reporting to one another. So this is actually this We've heard this a number of times on this podcast over the last three months, and we have seen a number of contractors who run extremely um, scalable, successful businesses. And I think, Andrew, you've been the one that's landed on it every time. Is that that reference to we? Yeah, I think. Well, and I I noticed that uh, when Jordan Spieth, the golfer, always talks about we, which is certainly counterintuitive because he's the only guy hitting the ball. Um, And yet he still refers to we and, and the team, which is a... I think it's it's a uh, it's a great practice. I think some people it sounds like Aaron does it just naturally. Uh, I think other people come to it as a way to sort of remind themselves to bring themselves some humility that this isn't all me. And especially if you're creating this company that that runs on structures and processes rather than running on the owner, um, then yeah, you should be using the Protown we pro pronoun Protown. Welcome to Protown. <laughs> you should you should use the pronoun we. Um, so, Aaron, when when you were preparing to make this move to Bozeman, did you did you need to alter people's job descriptions? Did you need to hire new personnel, a combination of both? How did that work? So we did revisit job descriptions and just kind of make that they make sure they fit. And I mean, that's still an ongoing process. I mean, I revisited my director of field operations job description with him literally on Friday. So it's not something that is. Uh, ever set in stone and we really involve them so i give an outline and say hey here's what i'm thinking and then i them well you write the job finish this and write it in the job that you want to be doing rather than the job that i'm assigning to you because then people play to their strengths and then we can find out where we can put if if it's something that they feel we want them to do that's not a strength of theirs maybe we can delegate that to someone else so the job description piece yes adding people yes so we did add not right out of the gate but uh in the last so going into winter you know in decided to move we started to actively recruit additional estimator and uh someone to manage our residential division i had been kind of hands off in the residential division 
but our director of field operations was kind of handling some of that and some of the slack was getting picked up by others. And we wanted to make sure that was off of his plate because he needs to be focused. He has a major responsibility with the field because I'm no longer really involved in that part other than from a oversight. You know, I'm watching it on our project management platform to see what's going on on every job, see daily updates, see pictures. But we did hire two additional people um, we used a recruiting firm, which I think we had great success with, and uh, that was one strategy for hiring. You know, I know you guys are always looking at hiring strategies for upper level talent. We did hire a recruiter to help us find uh, a couple great people, and we we've had great success there. Both people have industry experience, have been around for a long time, have different reasons for wanting to make the move, and I think they found a good home with us, and they're being they've had a successful run. Although, sure, you know, I guess you can pick back with me next year and see if it works out. But it seems to be working at this point. Oh, that's awesome. So what was so tell me about like that first week, that first week when you had made the move, the business was operating as as it always does in, in Chicago and you were and you were off in Bozeman. How'd that feel? And were there any challenges? I mean, I was really so excited that we actually did it that I wasn't too <laughs> I wasn't too even concerned with the business at that point. I was so excited to have been here. But I mean, within uh, a week or two, you know, that novelty starts to wear off, although I still love coming back here every time. And I, I do, tram, you know, so maybe we should talk about my commute. So I do commute back and forth. I'm not in Bozeman 100% of the time. I spend five days in Chicago, 10 days in Bozeman. So it's, a, it's not a 100% I'm hands off in Chicago. I am there every other week, Monday to Friday-ish, you know, depending on what else is going on and what I need to make my schedule around. Um, I've been gone two weeks at a time, but I usually at least every third week I'm back in Chicago. So that's an important piece that I'm still in touch with the business. And just uh, just in case some listeners are wondering, um, I mean, this is still your full-time job, right? You're not semi-retired. No, this is my full-time job. I mean, I'm paid as president of the organization. I'm, you know, I mean, yeah, this is my job. This is what I do to earn a living. This is how I pay for my mortgage, vehicles, my family, my kids' school, all that. And so in in keeping with sort of the logistics, when you're in Bozeman and you're communicating with the team in Chicago, are these simply phone calls? Is it FaceTime? Are there Skype video calls? What do you do? A combination of all. So now that I'm here, I've actually had great success since moving here because what happens is that time you should set aside for the office and not be distracted is forced upon you because you can't, like someone can't call and go, hey, can you come look at a job today? And go, how's next week look? So that I end up prioritizing the office work instead of putting it off, which is tendency for a lot of us entrepreneurs is like, I know I got to type some stuff up or I know I need to have a meeting with that guy, but I'll just put it off. So one of the things that I have been successful with is I schedule those times. I have meetings with my key team members on a weekly basis. We do those via Zoom or Skype, you know, face to face. And then we're able to do screen shares. So we share screens back and forth. So I can say, hey, look, this is what I'm doing. This is what they're doing. So that really is helpful. And I think that the combination of like that, having that set aside time, making sure that you have those meetings has been really pivotal in seeing that we've had, I mean, we ended the year, the last, since I've left Chicago, our business has been stronger and done more 
volume, revenue, and profit than it ever did before. Hello. <laughs> I know that's great news. That's amazing. So with the, and, and technology has changed things so much too. The ability to to communicate on and off the job site without anybody actually having to go to the job site is incredible. Do you have uh, any like estimating software or operational systems or, or any technology that, that you specifically rely on for communication? We basically use a system that looks similar to a social media site where we set up projects that would be kind of set up like a Facebook group. So we set up a project uh, in there, and then everybody gets invited to that project, is able to comment and post. So we have built a protocol for daily updating. We can add video content. We can add photographic content. We can add files, drawings. We can mark up everything. So that's really the way that we, from a project standpoint, we start by setting up this kind of social page where... We upload the contract, the job checklist, and that sort of thing. So it all just kind of migrates right into that platform easily for the field. And then we're able to watch it from, I mean, I can watch it from my cell phone anywhere in the world. And that's that's incredible. Did you Were there any challenges around training anyone to use those systems or any pushback that you got from anybody on the team? You know, occasionally we have had a little bit and a little out of the gate. The main thing was having it be easy. So we used some other systems in the past that were not quite as simple. I mean, this system that we're using literally looks almost as easy as it is to use Facebook or something. So as long as it's super simple for people to use, and it has all these bells and whistles, but what we did is we went in and we said, okay, what's a protocol for us? Brought in our leadership team, showed them how much easier it would be on them. They don't have to answer the call and say, what did you do today? They don't have to be constantly sending daily updates via email and answering all these questions. We can bring our customers into the platform so the customers can see what happens. So the customers aren't calling me going, what got done today? Well, they go look and see you're invited into the platform. So I think some of that has really taken a lot of the burden of calling and constantly chasing down what's going on in the field uh, away from us and allowed us to be a lot more productive. Aaron, this may be an obvious answer, but but Emily says that's my strength. I'm really good at asking obvious questions. <laughs> but you mentioned at the beginning that you have a degree in finance. To what extent or how has that degree helped you in the painting business? Well, you teed that one up for me, I suppose. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the, I, you know, that's one of the things that I think different. That's a big differentiator for us. So a lot of people ask, like, how can I grow? How can I be strong? How can I get great customers? I mean. Our customers are not going to pay us at the end of the job. I mean, residential customers possibly, but the fact that we're not always having to chase down people for money, like we can, we're financially sound. So we forecast cash flow for eight weeks. We do a lot of things uh, in a financially responsible manner, which allows us to take on big clients and not be the guy who's always crying for money. So we have you know, significant line of credit at this point. And one of the things that allowed me to do that was having a degree in finance understanding how banking worked. The first time we doubled our company, probably close to 10 years ago, we doubled it from money that we had saved. So like when I talk to someone that has a company that's trying to figure out, okay, how do I get to that next level? The first thing you have to do is save money and have the cash flow to take on a bigger job and not have to go broke. You have to be able to finance that first job. And once you double your company, then you go to the bank and go, I doubled my company last year. Hey, I'm looking for a line of credit. And you've have you don't need it at that moment. 
they go, how did you double your company? Well, I saved money and over the last five years. And then I took on a hundred thousand dollar job and I had 30 grand in the bank and I could afford to finance it myself. And they go, wow, this guy's financially responsible. We should lend him some money. Then they give you a little bit of a line. You do it again the next year. And then you ask for a ridiculous amount of money and they give you half of it. And then you're set. I love that. That's the best explanation I think I have ever heard of getting into those first commercial jobs. Everybody, I feel like a lot of people have danced around that question in the past. So, Aaron, that was awesome. It was. Um, so now, because, of course, this is Lifestyles of the Prepped and Finished, we're going to we're gonna switch gears a little bit because we've been talking about a lot of business stuff. But So now that you're out in Bozeman, you're 10 days there and, and five days out in Chicago. What, what are you guys up to out in Bozeman? Like I mentioned, I have four kids, two, four, six, eight. So wow. that keeps me relatively busy. <laughs> um, Very. <laughs> and so we do, uh, you know, this winter, we pretty much spent the entire winter on a ski hill, downhill skiing. So the kids have different levels of lesson and now they all ski. And we spent, I mean, yesterday was the final day of the season at the local mountain bridger bowl. So we were out there uh, with the boys and, uh, doing that and then obviously stuff like easy things like hiking and stuff is so easy and the kids love it and take the dog out and everybody's pretty friendly here so we do a lot of that sort of thing and then also kind of camping you know we went to Yellowstone for my daughter's birthday in the fall and uh, just kind of soaking up every bit of the mountains that we can for now since we're kind of new to it man you're gonna raise little outdoors men and women which is awesome. And you haven't even been there yet for a full summer, correct? You said you you moved there at the end yeah. of the summer? Yeah, we did. We moved here at the end of the summer. So we were only here probably for less than a month before the snow hit the ground. And it's about three quarters melted now. So uh, we're looking forward to the summer. I mean, we were here for a couple weeks in July to try to figure out where we were going to live and how that was all going to work. So we did have some time in the summer, but uh, we certainly got here on the tail end of it. So for two uh, a big summer this summer. And so you know this, but I'm saying this for the listener's benefit. You are, you're just due north of Yellowstone National Park, which is on top of Grand Teton National Park. And I'm also guessing you're within, I don't know, 200 miles maybe of Glacier National Park. Is that correct? We're far from, we're farther than that from oh, Glacier. Okay. Uh, Glacier is probably uh, six hours, I think, from here or so, but it's not unstrikable, but it's definitely a a long weekend trip minimum. Yeah. But I mean, with, we also have Big Sky. So Big Sky is kind of the resort community south of here, about 45 minutes. So most people fly in to Bozeman in order to go to Big Sky or Yellowstone mm -hmm. National Park. So West Yellowstone is very accessible. That's the next town past Big Sky. So yes, definitely a lot of time there. We're close to Idaho. We're not that far from Utah. So a lot of my friends do, you know, vacations down to Moab and stuff. So it's not that, you know, we're not that far out, but we are certainly, we're five or six hours, I think, from Salt Lake City, which is the closest major city to us. Man, it's amazing. And Andrew and his family, you guys, I mean, you all do a lot of camping. We uh, we did something similar to you. Well, I, I've worked from home for, for 20 years, um, and we moved to Colorado Springs from St. Louis because we're a big outdoor family. We're not big in the skiing, but we do a ton of camping, um, good old tent camping. And we're all about the national parks. Uh, and so from here in Colorado Springs, we do have access to a lot of things in the West. So I, I, I hear you, man. Uh, it is beautiful out here. And Emily has 
followed a similar journey of <laughs> following her passion for the outdoors. So, Aaron, did you did you know contractors or talk to contractors who have done something similar, who manage their company from afar, and or have you helped contractors since you've made the move to enable them to move away from their business? I did not know anyone who had done it. I mean, I knew people that worked remotely. I had a friend who moved to Nashville from Chicago and just like the quality of life and still did some business in Chicago and commuted on occasion. But uh, it was a little different of a story. I had, you know, it's funny because part of me tells some people and doesn't tell other people because I was worried about how people would react. Sure. Uh, but I think now it's the cat's out of the bag, especially now that I'm doing this. <laughs> I, You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> people certainly are encouraged and go, Hey, maybe I could do that. So if I can, you know, if I'm happy to share my journey and also encourage other people to like, you have one shot at this, so you might as well do it. And I mean, the, my, my family is so happy in Bozeman and in Montana that that makes it worth it. I mean, sometimes it gets a little bit, you know, the travel, I don't want to leave. The kids don't want me to leave. I, you know, but I also think that that's great for kids to see, you know, a parent go out, have to go out and work. I mean, it's not all about fun and games. Part of it is like, if we want to live this lifestyle, we have to work hard for it. And so that's one of the things that I think, you know, having them see me go out for five days at a time and go work hard and come home is just kind of part of, uh, part of my job. And I I'm happy to do it. Well, I have to point out, uh, you're a finance major. I'm an English major, but yet your phrase was 20 times better than mine. I said, quote, move away from your business. What a horrible job on my part. You said work remotely. That is far more accurate. Uh, so, bully for you. You win the uh, the speaking points. You talk good, man. Um, <laughs> so, has a customer said, wait a minute, you live in Bozeman and you're doing my job in Chicago? Why is your rate so darn high? <laughs> I got to pay for this somehow. Exactly. It's expensive. <laughs> Uh, you know, most of my customers, they, I usually get like text messages or, you know, things joking about it. Like, Hey, when you get off the mountain, would you mind giving me a call? If I can schedule some painting or like, you know, they just kind of like, it's turned into like a running joke more than anything else, to be honest. But I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to being able to, one of the things I'm really looking forward to is, you know, we've done a lot of entertainment in Chicago and now I'm like, well, why don't I just bring my clients out to Montana and entertain them here? That would have way more fun. So that's why I try to get, uh, you know, try to get it going in Montana a little bit too. Cause I think that people, whatever they're, you know, I have a lot of clients that are big fly fishermen. I mean, this is a Mecca for fly fishing. I'm not a big fisherman, but, Hey, when in Rome. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I Look, one of the takeaways I have here is, you know, anyone out there who listens to our podcasts and certainly reads the magazine, they know full well that one of the core missions of APC, obviously, is if you want to grow your business, you've got to know your numbers. And so here's a wonderful example of a guy who knows his numbers and has been able to use that skill, that talent uh, that practice to completely change his life and, and, and lead the life he wants and to uh, work remotely and manage the company from wherever he wants. So, I mean, that this is a wonderful lesson for anyone who's a painting contractor. Uh, and it absolutely is in keeping with all of the core principles that we talk about in print, in paint radio, 
in our videos everywhere. I mean, this is what APC is about. You got to manage your company to boost your life. I love it. Exactly. Yeah. Aaron, look at you. I will say, let me just say on that note, let me just say one thing is that we do invest heavily in that too, though. So you have to value that. And that's one of the things where like people go, well, it's expensive, you know, to do that. So we have a contract controller who we pay, you know, over a hundred dollars an hour to come in one day a week for a half a day, just to pick off tasks that I need to have done. We have, we work with Linnea Blair from Advisors on Target. She puts together advanced spreadsheets that we meet on and we benchmark and we look at how we're doing against the industry. That's how we know how much we can charge. So not just me, and like I spend a lot of money on my office staff putting this numbers, job costing everything. We make that a priority. So that's one thing that like, People can't say they can't afford to do it. Really, you can't afford not to. So that would be one of the things is it's not like I can't take all the credit for it, unfortunately. I mean, I happen to be the one that kind of, you know, asks for information and says we need to do this and gives permission and authorizes the financing to go into it. But at the end of the day, we really have a team of people working on making sure that we run a fiscally sound business. That's the the epitome of work hard, play hard. This guy... I know I keep talking as if you're not here, but what I'm doing, Aaron, is speaking to our listeners. I'm not trying to ignore you. Um, but that's that's why we do these, so that people, including ourselves, can can learn from all these wonderful people in the industry. He works hard. He plays hard. Um, and I joked at the beginning of this podcast to to restart it and listen to the our intro guy, do the intro and play the drums. But on a serious note, when you listen to these podcasts, it's no different from attending a session at a convention or a conference. And you're going to take notes and I hope our listeners are taking notes about the very specific practices Aaron incorporates into his business that provides him the data to understand what the company's doing and how it can grow effectively and allow Aaron to live the life he, he leads. That's, uh, it's, this is gold, Jerry. Gold. I knew if you I could, would say that. It's a Seinfeld reference. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Always a Seinfeld reference. Well, hopefully next we'll be, we'll be planning an APC trip to Bozeman. Done. <laughs> We've invited ourselves, Aaron. Make space. <laughs> I don't fool yourself. I invited you. Okay. Yep. <laughs> We're working that out. We are working that out. <laughs> Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. I hope this wasn't too much of a burden. Did, did you have fun? Oh, yeah. Glad to be on and happy to uh, always share what I'm up to. And we, you know, we're an open book at Precision, so we're happy to uh, help anybody any way we can. Obviously, uh, rising tide rises all ships. No doubt. Okay. That is very true. Like well, Aaron, this this has been a lot of fun. Um, good for you. We're impressed. Way to be uh, a role model uh, for APC readers, for your kids. This is great stuff. Um, and as I always say, this is why Emily and I love what we do. We love APC. We love talking to you guys out there who are doing such a great job. We can all learn from each other, and that's the point of Paint Radio. So go to paintmag.com slash paintradio. You can listen to any number of podcasts that will help you improve your business and be happier and lead a happier life because APC is giving you a hug. Thanks for listening to Paint Radio, everybody. And anyone out there who wants to hear more about Emily's problems, go to emilysproblems.com. She's got a long blog <laughs> that will absolutely terrify you. Oh, God. Thanks for listening to Paint Radio. Mm. <laughs>